everyone. Welcome to the Seat Joy Sister podcast where I talk about all things scripture and Jesus. I hope you all are having a good start to your day so far. In today's episode, we are going to talk about the entire book of Galatians chapter 1 through 6. So go ahead, grab your cup of coffee or whatever you enjoy drinking, and let's pretend like we are sitting right across from each other as we grow our faith together. Colossians 1, 3 through 5. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The Commentary God's plan all along was to save us by Jesus' death. We have been rescued from the power of his present of this present evil age, a world ruled by Satan and full of cruelty, tragedy, temptation, and deception. Being rescued from this evil age doesn't mean that we are taken out of it, but that we are no longer enslaved to it. We were saved to live for God. Does your life reflect your gratitude for being rescued? Have you transferred your loyalty from this world to Christ? Now, let's talk about... Got to flip my Bible pages here. Galatians 2.16 Yeah, Galatians 2.16 Know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law. Because by observing the law, no one will be justified. Commentary If observing the Jewish laws cannot justify us, why should we still obey the Ten Commandments and other Old Testament laws? We know that Paul was not saying the law is bad because in another letter he wrote, it stated the law is holy. And you can find that in Romans 7.12. Instead, he is saying that the law can never make us acceptable to God. The law still has an important role to play in the life of a Christian. The law, one, guards us from sin by giving us standards for behavior. Two, convicts us of sin, leaving us the opportunity to ask for God's forgiveness. Three, drives us to trust in the sufficiency of Christ because we can never keep the Ten Commandments perfectly. The law cannot possibly save us, but after we have become Christians, it can guide us to live as God requires. Galatians 3, 5-7 Does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law, or because you believe 
what you heard. So in other words, by having faith. 3.6. Consider Abraham. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And then 3.7. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. The commentaries for 3 through... Well, 3, 5, and then 3, 6 through 9. The Holy Spirit gives Christians great power to live for God. Some Christians want more than this. They want to live in a state of perpetual excitement. The tedium of everyday living leads them to conclude that something is wrong spiritually. Often, the Holy Spirit's greatest work is teaching us to persist, to keep on doing what is right, even when it no longer seems interesting or exciting. The Galatians quickly turn from Paul's good news to the teachings of the newest teachers in town. What they needed was the Holy Spirit's gift of persistence. If the Christian life seems ordinary, you may need the Spirit to stir you up. Every day offers a challenge to live for Christ. And then we continue in the commentaries. The main argument of the Judaizers was that Gentiles had to become Jews in order to become Christians. Paul exposed that flaw in this argument by showing that real children of Abraham are those who have faith, not those who keep the law. Abraham himself was saved by his faith. And you can find that in Genesis 15:6. All believers in every age and from every nation share Abraham's blessing. This is a comforting promise to us, a great heritage for us, and a solid foundation for living. Now let's talk about Galatians 3, 21 through 24. Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But the scripture declares that the whole world is a prisoner of sin, so that what was promised, being given through faith in Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe. Before this faith came, we were held prisoners by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. So the commentaries. Before faith in Christ delivered us, we were imprisoned by sin, beaten down by past mistakes, and choked by desires that we knew were wrong. God knew we were sin's prisoners, but he provided a way of escape. Faith in Jesus Christ. Without Christ, everyone is held in sin's grasp. And only those who place their faith in Christ ever get out of it. Look to Christ. He is reaching out, 
to set you free. Jesus is what gives us freedom. The supervision of the law is like the supervision given by a tutor to a young child. We no longer need that kind of supervision as we get older. The law teaches us the need for salvation. God's grace gives us that salvation. The Old Testament still applies today. In it, God reveals his nature, his will for humanity, his moral laws, and his guidelines for living. But we cannot be saved by keeping the law. We must trust in Christ. You know, I recently heard my pastor say that we are not saved by the law, but we are saved by God's grace. And I think that that goes perfectly to what we are reading today. In Galatians 4, 4 through 5, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also in her. The commentary for verses 4, four through 5. When the time had fully come, God sent Jesus to earth to die for our sins. For centuries, the Jews had been wondering when their Messiah would come, but God's timing was perfect. We may sometimes wonder if God will ever respond to our prayers, but we must never doubt him or give up hope. At the right time, he will respond. Are you in a season of waiting for God's timing? Trust his judgment and trust that he has your best interests in mind. I think the waiting period has always been the most difficult for me um, because in that waiting period, depending on how long it takes for God to answer your prayers, I feel like that's a time of weakness in a sense for me. And I feel like if I start doubting God, that's whenever I start drifting away from him and I am more prone to, you know, become weaker by the day. And if I allow myself to be in that funk, like if I allow myself to continue doubting God and just, you know, fall into that um, self-pity party, I start to not only feel sorry for myself, but I start to question everything that God is and everything that he has done. And so not so much everything that he has done in the past, but I start to question his authority. And I'm sure, you know, you've all been there at some point in your lives. But for me personally, I found that the more 
that I remember the things that God has done for me in the past. And the more that I remember what he has revealed to me in the light, the more I am able to stand firm in my faith in that waiting period. And, you know, I, I try very hard to not allow myself to stay in that funk just simply because I don't want to lose hope. Because if I lose hope, then I've lost it all. And the truth is, is that God is the one who holds me steady. He's the one who gives me strength to continue in this waiting period. So we just have to make sure that we do not, it's okay to feel all your feels, but don't feel your feels too much to the point to where you start drifting away from him. All right, the commentaries, we're going to continue on the commentaries. Um, Jesus was born of a woman. So talking about verse 4 through, well, 4, 4 and 4, 5. Jesus was born of a woman. He was human. He was born as a Jew. He was subject to God's law and fulfilled it perfectly. Thus, Jesus was the perfect sacrifice because although he was fully human, he never sinned. His death bought freedom for us who were enslaved to sin so that we could be adopted into God's family. Now let's talk about Galatians 5, 13 through 15. You, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Commentaries. Paul distinguishes between freedom to sin and freedom to serve. Freedom or license to sin is no freedom at all because it enslaves you to Satan, others, or your own sinful nature. Christians, by contrast, should not be slaves to sin because they are free to do right and to glorify God through loving service to others. When we are motivated by love, we become critical of, or I'm sorry, when we are not motivated by love, we become critical of others. We stop looking for good in them and see only their faults. Soon the unity of believers is broken. Have you talked behind someone's back? Have you focused on others' shortcomings instead of their strengths? Remind yourself of Jesus' command to love others as you love yourself. When you begin to feel critical of someone, make a list of that person's positive qualities, whether it's through paper or in your head. If there are problems that need to be addressed, it is better to confront and love than to gossip. 
I feel like this one can be very hard to do when you are hurt by somebody or you firmly believe in something and somebody else is contradicting what you say or, you know, I guess in a sense making the worst come out of you by their actions or the things that they say. But one thing that continues to reel me in and I continue to preach to my kids is that when we get upset at somebody or when we catch ourselves gossiping or judging them and just completely thinking about all their faults, we have to remember that Jesus loves that person just as much as he loves you and I. And so that person that we're upset at, that person that we just want to like completely (laughs) yell at them or lose our calm with, you know, Jesus loves them. Jesus loves them. And think about all the grace and love that Jesus pours out on you on the daily. Like if we really think about our own faults, we think about our own wrongdoings. He still loves us. And think about the grace and the mercy that he gives us on a daily basis. So that is what Paul is talking about here. That is what this verse is talking about. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, and that if you don't watch out, if you continue to devour each other, you are going to be destroyed by one another. And what this is saying is that we need to love other people the way that Jesus loves us. You know, Jesus doesn't gossip behind our backs. Jesus doesn't continuously look at all our wrongdoings and completely dismiss who you and I are and walk away and never forgive us. You know, or Jesus doesn't say that he forgives us, but continues to see the wrong in us and think bad thoughts about us. So we need, we really, really need to be careful of how we love other people and how we judge other people and how we treat other people. And I know, believe me, it is easier said than done. I have recently walked through a season where it's just been full of up and downs, you know, and um, it has made me want to lash out at certain individuals But instead of lashing out, I have really taken the time to just dwell on my feelings and to pray through it. And, you know, the more that I do that, the more that I seek God before I I act out in my emotions, the more I feel him and the more calm I feel. And I'm not quick to get angry. I'm not quick to lash out. I'm not going to say that I do this perfectly because just the other day I let my emotions get the best of me. But through the grace of God, even then, even then, because I've replayed that scenario many times in my head. And even then 
I still feel like I handled it somewhat better than I would have if I wouldn't be as close to God as I am today. Even then, I really don't have any regrets to how I acted because I didn't say anything out of character or anything really ugly. I just allowed my emotions to get the best of me to where I acted out quickly rather than waiting. So I owe it all to God. I owe it all to seeking Him on the daily and you know, being consistent with prayer and being consistent and watering my faith by doing the things that will draw me closer to Him instead of drawing me closer to the world. Okay, I am going to read Galatians 5, 16 through 26, and it is talking about life by the Spirit. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and disbauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and like, and all the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Now, let's read the commentaries. 5, 16 through 18. If your desire is to have the qualities listed in 5, 22 and 23, then you know that the Holy Spirit is leading you. So, if your desire is to have the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, then you know that you are being led by the Holy Spirit. At the same time, be careful not to confuse your subjective feelings with the Spirit's leading. Being led by the Holy Spirit involves the desire to hear, the readiness to obey God's word and the sensitivity to discern between your feelings and his promptings. Live each day controlled and guided by the Holy Spirit. Then the words of Christ will be in your mind. The love of Christ will be behind your actions and the power of Christ will help you control your selfish desires. Commentary for 517. 
Paul describes the two forces conflicting within us, which is the Holy Spirit and the sinful nature, which is our evil desires of inclination that stem from our bodies. So Paul is not saying that these forces are equal. The Holy Spirit is infinitely stronger. But if we rely on our wisdom, we will make wrong choices. If we try to follow the Spirit by our own human effort, we will fail. Our only way to freedom from our evil desires is through the empowering of the Holy Spirit. So this kind of goes along with what I was just saying about, you know, loving your neighbor as yourself. Like when you get in those situations where you get really hurt by somebody or you get really upset by what someone is doing or something someone is saying, you know, it is better to seek God first, let him fill you with the fruit of the spirit before you act out. And that goes with anything, anything that you do. If you know that it contradicts the word, if you know it contradicts your belief or contradicts the character of God, then that is the time where you need to seek all righteous things so you can stand with the Holy Spirit in you rather than being led by your own human desires, your human nature. Because the truth is, friends, our human nature, our human desires, our human thoughts, our human wisdoms, our human everything will lead us the wrong way. It is in Christ, through Him, that we are embodied by the Holy Spirit in which we will be led in the right direction. So the commentaries for 5, 19 through 21. We all have evil desires and we can't ignore them. In order for us to follow the Holy Spirit's guidance, we must deal with them decisively. These desires include obvious sins such as sexual immorality and witchcraft. They also include less obvious sins such as selfish ambition, hatred, and jealousy. Those who ignore such sins or refuse to deal with them reveal that they have not received the gift of the Spirit that leads to a transformed life. And then the commentary for 523, because the God who sent the law also sent the Spirit, the byproducts of the Spirit-filled life are in perfect harmony with the intent of God's law. A person who exhibits the fruit of the Spirit fulfills the law far better than a person who observes the rituals but has little love in his or her heart. Commentary for 524. In order to accept Christ as Savior, we need to turn from our sins and willingly nail our sinful nature to the cross. This doesn't mean, however, that we will never see traces of its evil desires again. As Christians, we still have the capacity to sin, but we have been set free from sin's power 
over us and no longer have to give into it. We must daily commit our sinful tendencies to God's control, daily crucify them, and moment by moment draw on the Spirit's power to overcome them. The more that we choose God, the easier it becomes to give up our sinful nature. It's not easy. It's a choice that we have to continue to fight to make every single day. But that choice that leads us to Jesus is the choice that pulls us away from our evil desires. God is interested in every part of our lives, not just the spiritual part. And as we live by the Holy Spirit's power, that's when we need to submit every aspect of our lives to God. The commentary states, emotional, physical, social, intellectual, vocational aspects of our lives need to be dedicated to God. Paul says that because we are saved, we should live like it. The Holy Spirit is the source of your new life. So keep in step with his leading. Don't let anything or anyone else determine your values and standards in any area of your life. Commentary says for 526, everyone needs a certain amount of approval from others, but those who go out of their way to secure honors or to win popularity with a lot of people become conceited and show they are not following the Holy Spirit's leading. Those who look to God for approval won't need to envy others because we are God's sons and daughters. We have his Holy Spirit as the loving guarantee of his approval. Now, let's end with Galatians 6, and I am going to talk about the highlighted verses in that, which is... 6, 3 through 5. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. For each one should carry his own load. When you do your very best, you feel good about the results. There is no need to compare yourself with others. People make comparisons for many reasons. Some point out others' flaws in order to feel better about themselves. Others simply want reassurance that they are doing well. When you are tempted to compare, look at Jesus Christ. His example will inspire you to do your very best. And his loving acceptance will cover you when you fall short of your own expectations. I always say that comparison is the thief of joy. And it's true. Because the more that we pay attention to our neighbor, the more we look at our neighbor and we see what they're doing and they're not doing, the more focused we become on them and the things that they are doing 
And then that completely distracts us not only from ourselves, but from what God is trying to do in us and through us. All right, now let's talk Galatians 7 through 10. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So let's talk about the commentaries. It would certainly be a surprise if you planted corn and pumpkins came up. It's a natural law to reap what we sow. It's true in other areas too. If you gossip about your friends, you will lose their friendship. Every action has results. If you plant to please your own desires, you'll reap a crop of sorrow and evil. If you plant to please God, you'll reap joy and everlasting life. What kind of seeds are you sowing? It is discouraging to continue to do right and receive no word of thanks or see no tangible results. But Paul challenged the Galatians and he challenges us to keep on doing good and to trust God for the results. In due time, we will reap a harvest of blessing. Now, let's finish with Galatians 6, 14. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. The commentary for that verse. The world is full of enticements. Daily, we are confronted with subtle cultural pressures and overt propaganda. The only way to escape these destructive influences is to ask God to help crucify our interests in them, just as Paul did. So that's when we need to think, how much do the interests of this world matter to us? You know, it's easy to get caught up with the externals. But we have to beware of those who emphasize us on certain actions that we should or shouldn't do with no concern for the inward condition of the heart. Living a good life without an inward change leads to a shallow or empty spiritual walk. Commentary says that what matters to God is that we be completely changed from the inside out. Now, that transformation, friends, is not easy. It's not something that happens overnight. It's not something that happens in a day, a week, 
two weeks, months. I mean, it's taken me years to get to the point to where I am right now. And I still battle with those evil desires, that sinful nature. Like I stated earlier, it is a choice that we have to fight to make every single day. But you and I need to examine our hearts and we need to figure out what is causing that sinful nature to come out. And what we realize or what we find during that examination of the heart those very things are the things that we need to be praying to God for. And we need to ask him to help us in those moments because the reality of it is, is like you and I have that choice, right? Like we know our battles. We know our sinful natures. We know the things that we're doing and we're not doing, the things that we accept and we refuse to accept or we refuse to change. We know that. And while it may, you know, be easier in a way to give in to that nature just because we're used to it, right? We're human. It doesn't mean that it's the right thing to do. So as we choose to call out to God and pray to him to help us with those sinful natures or those sinful desires, you know, the easier it becomes to walk away from them. And we're not as convicted or as condemned because we are asking God to help us and we are inviting the Holy Spirit inside of us to help us, you know, to take away from all of that. But it's a sin when we ignore it. It's a sin when we give in and we don't think twice about it and we're not praying out or crying out to God to help us in that. So, you know, living a Christian life is not always easy when we live in such an unchristian world, but it is so worth it. It is worth it because while it may not be the easiest thing to do, we get to hold on to hope. We get to hold on to the cross. We get to have the Holy Spirit guiding us in the direction that God wants us to go in. And we know that His direction is the best direction. Okay, everybody, that is it for today's episode. I hope that you guys were encouraged and that it gives you the strength and peace and faith that you need to go on about your day. And I will talk to you guys on Thursday. And remember, if you don't follow my Instagram account, go follow it. It is Seek Joy Sister because that's where I do most of my posting and, you know, kind of invite you into my real life. All right, you guys, I hope you have an amazing day.